0: We're in a series, um, and our series um, is uh, called The Beatitudes, at the beginning of Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel. And many of our Connect groups are following this series as well. Um, And uh, we're looking today, um, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, at uh, another crazy saying of Jesus, or it seems crazy. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And all of these uh, beatitudes, blessed attitudes, uh, are really uh, Jesus' way of turning um, everything on its head uh, and and saying that what our culture says um, is there's another way. In Jesus' kingdom, it's different to the way of the world, to the way that we are and the way that we live and uh, as we've said i'm just reminding us uh, blessed another another translation of blessed is happy so happy blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth what does meek mean the the greek word for that's translated meek could also be translated and it is translated the same word in other passages as gentle as humble And it means uh, considerate and courteous. So blessed are the gentle and humble, for they shall inherit the earth. And that is completely different to what our culture teaches us, isn't it? Because our culture says, the aggressive, the alpha males and alpha females, the ruthless, the gifted, the good-looking, the self-confident will inherit the earth. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. In his kingdom, in his way, there's another way. There's another way. And, uh, and, and this isn't to say that, that it's about us being doormats. Uh, Jesus, uh, it says of Jesus that he was, he was meek uh, if you read in, um, in uh, chapter 11 of Matthew, verse 28, "'Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, "'and I will give you rest. "'Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, "'for I am meek,' or translated in the NIV, "'gentle and humble,' another translation, "'is lowly in heart, "'and you will find rest for your souls.'" We've mentioned this before. This is the only place where Jesus tells us what his heart is like. I am gentle and humble of heart. I am meek of heart. That's the description. There's so many ways we could describe Jesus' heart. And, and what he's talking about here is not, is not simply about emotions. It's about the things that get him up in the morning. It's about the the things that drive him. It's who he is at his core. When you say about what's in someone's heart, it's what's in their core. And Jesus is gentle and humble of heart. He is meek. And yet, he was no doormat. He was no doormat. He, He would have confrontations when he needed to. He didn't just do what everyone said. But... When, when the crucial times came, he laid his life down and he allowed them to kill him. He allowed them to crucify him. He allowed them to treat him badly for a greater cause because his father wanted him to. Now, now, what does it, what does it mean, um, uh, meek, humble? Uh, three times... We see in the Scripture uh, this this line, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. What that means, and we, we, we can dress this up in all sorts of super spiritual ways, what it means is if you're proud, he's against you. That's what opposes mean. That means if you're proud and you're playing tennis, Jesus is on the other side of the net hitting the balls past you. It means he opposes you, he's against you. But he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble because proud people are not dependent. Proud people are independent. And pride has been the root of of so much human sin and agony and disobedience in our world. a a desire for independence and what God is looking for is meet people who will trust, who will be dependent and do you know what? It's very hard to trust, it's very hard to be dependent if you're absolutely full of yourself. It's very, very difficult to be full of yourself and full of Jesus at the same time. You're either full of yourself or you're full of Jesus and we all have that choice to make. And, and so humility is huge for God to use you without destroying you. And for those in the Scriptures who were proud, God did stuff in their lives to deal with the pride so that when he blessed them, the blessing did not destroy them. Because proud people get destroyed when everything goes right, when everything in their lives goes well. And so for Joseph, do you remember as a young man of 17, he had dreams and he interpreted them as, as um, uh, you know what, um, I'm above you all and you're all, my brothers and my mum and dad, you're all down there kneeling before me and I'm above you all. And he misunderstood what the dream was. So before God could fulfil the dream, what does he do? He arranges for Joseph to be sold into slavery. At 17, he becomes a refugee in a distant country and he becomes Potiphar's slave. Then he gets accused of a crime he didn't commit and he ends up in an Egyptian jail. 13 years from 17 till 30, he goes through agony and then the dreams come true. And then everything comes right. To cut a long story very short, you can read it in Genesis. Um, I, he becomes prime minister of Egypt. Only Pharaoh is above him. He saves the country from, a, a, um, not a drought, um, famine, from famine. He saves the country from famine and he saves his brothers and his parents, his brothers that sold him into slavery. And when they came and they bowed before him, He didn't look at them and say, hello boys, remember me? Remember what I said? There you are and here I am. He didn't say that. He knelt with them and he wept so loudly that they heard his weeping throughout the palace. He wept so loudly and he said, do not be angry with yourselves. Guys, it's okay it wasn't you that sent me here, but God. It wasn't you that, that sent me to save me. God sent me here. He sent me ahead of you as your servant so that I might prepare the way for you so that you might be saved because I served you. And do you know when, when the moment came, in his humility, he, 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 he knelt, he bent. In his humility, he served He didn't lord it over. And God's blessing, the opposite of destroying him, enhanced him, enhanced him. And that's that's exactly, exactly how it works. works. As I said, the word meek, it's used twice of Jesus. The first time we've just read, I am meek or gentle and humble in heart. The second time is in... um, is in Matthew 21 and, and this is as Jesus is going to the cross and uh, uh, he, he sits on the, on the donkey and uh, then it, it, we read this, verse 4. This took place to fulfil what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, meek or gentle or humble and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, the great conquering heroes would ride in triumph on a great steed. They would ride on a, on a stunning huge horse. Jesus chose a donkey on which to ride. It would have in some ways looked ridiculous for anyone who was claiming to be king. But you see, Jesus doesn't tell us to be or to do anything that Jesus isn't or doesn't do. Jesus is our example, and he does it in us and through us. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1, Paul, Paul refers to this as well. He says, by the humility and gentleness of Jesus, I appeal to you. So Paul says it as well. And and do you know, when, when, when you're meek, when you're, when you're courteous, when you're considerate, when you're humble, when you're gentle, especially in our day, with all the abuse that people hurl one another at one another in social media and increasingly in other ways, you stand out, you stand out. And people can say, oh, that person's weak. But it's not weakness, it's strength. It's strength because when we are weak, then we are strong. Because God's power is made perfect in weakness. And Jesus, it's okay. And Jesus, Jesus is, is the epitome of strength. And yet his strength comes in gentleness, in humility. And he calls us to live like that as well. And, and just remember with Jesus how that came out. You know, he, again, he would stand up for, 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 for righteousness. But in his dealings with with his disciples, for example. It's amazing the gentleness that was in him. Even after the resurrection, you know, they abandoned him. They abandoned him at the point of his arrest. His best friends fled from him. And then after he rises from the dead, what is one of the first things he does? He gives them a cooked breakfast by the Sea of Galilee. And it, I'm sure it would have been an English breakfast. <coughs> Maybe with some fish. But he, the first thing he does when he rises from the dead is he cooks them breakfast. And he doesn't give them a guilt trip. He doesn't say, hey guys, you know I've been through agonies for you. And where were you? Where were you? No, you don't, don't even answer. Yes, hang your heads in shame. Well, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three sausages each and a whole load of bacon. And as you eat it, may it choke in your throats. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. He cooked them flipping breakfast as a servant to those who betrayed him, let him down. And then, do you know what? He he asks Peter three questions. And if it was me, I would have said, Pete, are you going to do it again? Now I've cooked you breakfast. Are you going to let me down again? Are you going to mess up again? He doesn't. Do you know what he says? He says, Pete, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And it's a Pete, a question Pete could answer. Yeah, I've let you down. I've messed up. I've done it all wrong. But actually, I do love you especially after that breakfast. No, not, not especially after that breakfast. I do love you. I do love you. And do you know what? Every time Peter says, I love you, Jesus says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. He reinstates him. And the only qualification, it's not a promise, I'll never do it again. It's, I love you. It's, I love you. And that... That is meekness from Jesus. That is meekness. Meekness is, is, is knowing where you've come from and knowing where you're going. Knowing that, that you're going to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That you're going to sit at the Father's right hand and yet taking a towel and washing your disciples' feet just as jesus was thinking about his eternal glory he washed his disciples' feet that's the example of meekness as i begin to come into land i said begin as i said it's it, meekness is not it's not about being a doormat it's not about that it's about it's about standing against your principles for jesus There were so many times, so many times when they wanted him to do stuff and he didn't. There was one time when his relatives said, "Uh, Jesus, why don't you go to Jerusalem and and announce yourself and declare yourself? And he said, for you, any time is right. For you, any time. But for me, no, I'm gonna stay here. And it wasn't because he was scared because then he went in secret And when it was the right time, when his father told him, when his father told him, he stood up in the temple courts and announced unashamedly who he was. You see, meek people wait for instructions. They listen. They're afraid of doing stuff in their own strength. What are you saying, Lord? I will inquire of you. I will inquire of you. Moses is described, uh, possibly he described it of himself, some say, he's described as the meekest person in all the earth. And yet, if you read the life of Moses, he, he, was, no, he was no wallflower. The people of Israel, they were promised an inheritance. They were promised, uh, the people of Israel were promised the land as their inheritance, but they had to walk into the land Meekness, is not, it's not doing nothing and waiting for everything to fall into your lap. But it's not doing stuff before he says. It's, it's waiting for him. It's learning to trust him. <clears throat> it's learning to listen to him. It's learning to depend on him in all of our daily lives. It's, it's getting up in the morning and saying, Lord, Lord, would you lead me through this day in the office uh, at the shops, with my neighbours? Would you guide my speech? Would you speak to me? I want, I want to pay attention to you because you can do it so much better than I can. This isn't, this isn't a message for those who are full-time church workers. This is a message for those who are full-time accountants and teachers and NHS workers and, and, and everything else and plumbers and electricians. This is a message for full-time Christians. And that's all of us. Meek people learn to listen. And so, how do you become meek? Isn't that the big question? That's the big question I ask myself. Okay, I see that. That's right. How do I become meek? And first of all, it's not you gritting your teeth. You know, Pride for me is not, is not gritting my teeth and pretending I'm not good looking. Because that would be a lie. Those that laughed, you can go to another church. <laughs> I know who you are. It's not that. You, you know, pride, pride um, humility isn't pretending and and gritting your teeth to try and, and think humble thoughts. Humility is the life of Jesus growing in you. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more his life grows in us, the more his life develops in us. So it's more of Jesus. Secondly, I've said it, humility, meekness, gentleness comes Unfortunately, often, the the tool that God uses to grow it in us is suffering and failure. And I tell you, I I could give you so many examples of that, but we'd be here all day in my life. I just want to give you one that's a bit fun. Well, it's a bit fun looking back. Um, I was in uh, New Zealand some years ago. And uh, those of you that have been here for a while, you might remember John Dean, um, he was in our church. He was our international coordinator. And John was with me, and I was speaking at a meeting in Auckland, New Zealand. And it was when I was just starting to really step out with words of knowledge, prophetic words. And um, at the end of the, the talk, I, we had a time of ministry, and I started to share some words. And um, I remember people were responding to the words, and I was very pleased with myself. You know, I was like, oh, my word. This is, this is, I'm getting good at this. And then I had this one word, and the word was, um, there's someone here, um, you feel called to Korea, to serve in Korea, in, in mission, and um, you're, you're nervous about it, and you've been asking the Lord to confirm his word to you. Um, where are you? Uh, you feel called to Korea. And I remember thinking, gosh, if this isn't you, Lord, this is a real long shot. Who on earth would want to feel called to serve in Korea? Um, and so I said, where are you? And this young lady came forward and she was a bit emotional and everyone gathered around and started praying for her. Well, after a little while, I, I started to walk back to where I was staying, to the hotel. And as I was walking back, I was thinking, wow, I'm pretty good at this. I really am. I mean, where is this gonna go? I, I could end up with my own TV show, you know, and, 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 and all of that. And then just as I got back, John Dean ran and he caught up with me and he was clearly sprinting. and He was exhausted. And he said, I had to catch you before you went to bed. Um, you, you know that word you had for, for Korea? And I was like, tell me, tell me. You might wanna write it down so I can put it in my next book. And he said, well, it turns out the, the young lady who responded was French and she doesn't speak very good English. And she thought you were talking about her career. So she responded about... She came forward for prayer for her career and she couldn't understand for ages why everyone was sending her to Asia. (laughs) (laughs) I was... I went to my room and, I, I don't know, I just, I just never wanted to see anyone again. It was like, oh. And the worst bit was, I didn't, I didn't want to talk to God because it was like, Lord, I've just been walking home so pleased with myself. God's man of faith and power, the prophet of God. And in the end, it was like, oh, a terrible misunderstanding. And, and do you know what? Those things are good for you our spirits, because it stops us thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Another way to grow in meekness and humility, this is one that I have found really works, is to stop comparing myself with other people. Because when I compare myself, as you know, with someone like Andy Croft, I, I come out really well. <laughs> but to start comparing myself to Jesus. And when you compare yourself to Jesus, you know, when, when I start thinking, oh, what I've achieved, oh, that, that talk I did, oh my word. And then I start thinking about Jesus, how pure he is, how kind he is, how, how merciful he is, how he, 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 he gave up, um, what was to say in, in Philippians? Uh, to, um, who, though he was in his very nature God, he didn't count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant. When I compare myself to him, it's like, gosh, how stupid of me to get proud about my little achievement. How ridiculous when I compare myself to how wonderful you are. It's good for the soul to remind ourselves of Jesus. And then finally, finally, you'll be pleased to know, humility, according to C.S. Lewis, is not thinking badly of ourselves. It's just thinking about yourself less. Humble people, if you notice them, you know, it's like they're they're always other-centered. They're always other-centered. And that comes from being close to the master being close to the one who gave himself for us. And I'll finish as the band come up with that verse we started the service with. God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And what does that mean? That doesn't mean, folks, that doesn't mean that that we're, we're not talking prosperity gospel, that if we're meek, we're gonna become multi-billionaires and own Lamborghinis, although just one would be nice. Um, it doesn't mean that. It means, it means he will look after us. And it means, this is what it means. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, he says, we were having nothing yet possessing Everything. Do you know it's possible to be in a place of persecution where it feels like you have nothing and yet you realise that in Christ you possess everything and we will inherit the earth. We will. It's our inheritance and so we walk into it. The people of Israel, they were promised an inheritance but they had to walk into it. We, the people of God, we have an inheritance. We walk into it. And you know we can do it with confidence because it's his gift. It's his gift. Amen.